while the world is quick to tell you all that it's against, Uptown Church wants you to know wherefore, we're for doing what's right and fixing what's wrong. We're for lifting up prayers and breaking down barriers. We're for the brightest, boldest, loneliest, finest, and most flawed among us. And most importantly, we're for you. Uptown Church. In the city. For the city. I'm Joy Gonzalez, and if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, I'm the campus pastor here at Uptown Church, and it's so good to see you as we continue this week our generosity series that we started last week. And we're doing this series because it's that time of year. Thanksgiving is coming. The holidays are coming. And so everywhere you go, people are talking about generosity. They're talking about gratitude and generosity. And so we wanted to pick up the conversation and talk about generosity from the lens of faith. Because generosity is actually this deeply spiritual, deeply Christian ideal. In fact, as Christians, we think generosity sits at the very heart of our faith because it is this action, this response, this way of living that is in response to the goodness and grace and generosity of God. So we think generosity is a very Christian idea, and so we want to talk about that um, and how we think about it when everyone's talking to us about it. But have you noticed that like everywhere you go, when people talk about generosity, what they usually talk about to you is giving, like random acts of giving. You will, I don't know how many times in the next six weeks, you will see somebody out and about while you're shopping, asking you to make a donation. Um, you know, we are talked to about generosity in terms of this like random act of giving. We're inspired or maybe even guilted sometimes into giving something to somebody else. And so for many of us, the extent of our understanding of generosity is simply giving something that's mine to somebody else or to something else. But the, the Christian ideal of generosity is so much bigger than that because it's so much more than just doing something. It really is about being a certain way. It's really more about not just what you do, but the way that you are. And in fact, if we miss that piece of it, the being, a lot of our doing isn't as deep as it could be. Because I'm not saying random acts of giving are bad. I hope as you meet people and hear of needs, your heart is moved to give and you have the capacity to do that. But what I am saying is when we build our lives around the generosity, the generosity we see from God, it impacts and even I would say makes it more possible for us to be about doing good work in the world. So that is what we're talking about this week. And last week, I, I wanna hit on this again in review. If generosity is not simply acts of giving, then what is generosity? How can we begin to think of this bigger ideal of being generous? And so there are four myths that I gave you last week that I wanna go over again about generosity. What generosity is not, but sometimes we're told it is, especially if we think it's just about giving. Um, one, myth around generosity is that it's simply spontaneous, that you pass by those cute kids selling Girl Scout cookies and you're like, oh, and you give to them. Or you're, you hear of somebody in your neighborhood or at school that's going through a tough time, um, down on their luck, and so you are compelled to give. And it's 
all spontaneous. Again, not bad, but the myth is that that is the extent of generosity. That is simply just a spontaneous, random act. The second myth of generosity is this, that it's determined by cash flow. You're like, well, duh, Joy, isn't it determined by cash flow? If I've got the cash, then I can be generous, right? I can give. Not, not exactly. What I mean by determined by cash flow is if I have so much in the bank at the end of the month or after I've taken care of everything else that I want and need, then maybe I can be generous. But what we're learning and what we see from God is that generosity is actually a consistent thing that we do. So it's not if I have it, then. It's something that we determine to do. And so we're kind of flowing our cash where we want it to go instead of just following our cash. So the third myth is this, that it's the amount that counts. Have you ever been somewhere and you feel like, man, I know I can't give as much as probably that person over there, and so maybe I shouldn't give. You ever feel like maybe what you have given isn't good enough because the amount maybe isn't what you perceive as, as big enough? This is probably one of the biggest myths about generosity because it's not the amount that you give that counts. Generous people are just generous because they know it is good. And in fact, we're gonna see, and there's benefits to it, but it's not necessarily the amount that counts. Everybody, regardless of income level, can be generous. And then the final myth we looked at last week is, is this one, is that it's only wealthy or rich people that can be generous and are generous. But here's the deal. We know this logically, but sometimes we forget it. Being wealthy, being rich, does not necessarily make you generous. There is not a natural correlation to that. Having a lot to give away does not mean you give a lot away. And, and in fact, if, if you're just starting your career and this is kind of something new as you're bringing in income, thinking about generosity and how you give it away, if you will get this truth into your heart, I, it will change your life. And that, that's this, that being generous today will lead you to be generous tomorrow. When you're generous with little, you will be generous when you have more. It usually never works the other way around. We say it will, like, hey, when I get more money, when I'm rich, when I get that job, then I can be generous. But the truth is, it doesn't usually work that way. If we're generous today, when we have more, we'll continue to be generous tomorrow. We'll just have more to give. So, if this is not what generosity is, but these are the myths sometimes we're told, what is generosity? And I've got this clunky definition that we kind of went over last week for you, and it is written in direct contrast to those four myths. Now, I stole this from my good friend, Andy Stanley. Um, we're not good friends, but, but I follow him, and he's a great guy, and so I um, took this quote from him. And it stands in contrast to these myths because it says generosity is first and foremost premeditated, meaning it's something that we plan for. It's not something that just happens. It's something we work toward, we plan for, um, and we engage in in a thoughtful, intentional way. 
Meaning, sometimes generous people aren't always just moved by inspiration or guilt. Sometimes they can be, and that can be part of it. But most often, generous people are strategic, and they plan to be generous. They plan to give generously. It's a premeditated action in their lives. Second is that generosity most often is calculated, that they think through the cost of what they want to give, what they have to give, what God's calling them to give. It is thought through, planned for, and calculated for, knowing not just the amount I have to give, but also knowing what is the amount that maybe somebody needs from me to give. There's, there's prep work gone on in that. Uh, the third thing is it's designated, that it's not just, okay, whoever wants it gets it. You know, no one's throwing cash from the balcony and here you go. Um, but that oftentimes generous people has a, have a focus as to where they're giving. They tell their dollars where to go. They plan for and look for where is a need and where is God moving my heart to be generous. And so they designate it towards the need God is compelling them to, not the need that just pops up in front of them. And finally, is probably the word I love the most, is it is the emancipation of personal financial assets. It is the setting free of your personal financial assets to be used in the world for good, to bless, to be a part of partnering with God in the world. And I like that word emancipation and this notion of setting it free because how many of us have felt a sort of pressure when it comes to our money? and worry, or we see other people, and it seems like all they can think about, all they can talk about, all they can worry about is money, money, money. The one thing generous people know is that in order for our possessions not to possess us, we have to be willing to let them go. So our money doesn't lead us. We have to be willing to tell it where to go. And when we don't set it free, when we're not willing to let it go, what often can end up happening is that our possessions, our stuff, our money can end up being the point person, the leader in our life instead of God. And so this is generosity. It is not the end-all, be-all definition, but what counters those myths in our culture around what giving and generosity are. And the amazing, amazing thing that we're going to see is that Jesus talks about generosity, talks about this emancipation, this premeditated, this calculated, this designated way of engaging with our personal assets, engaging with our stuff, and Jesus gives us an entirely different paradigm for understanding it than maybe we have been given. Because see, Jesus says this about generous people. And this is the most quoted giving scripture out there. You've probably heard it. You might um, have it highlighted in your Bible. But Jesus says this. He says that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And Paul's quoting Jesus here to the church at Ephesus, and he's saying, remember what Jesus said, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
Now, many of us hear that and we're like, oh yeah, 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 that's great, that's great. But how many of us like really feel that? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Let me tell you, honestly, sometimes it feels more blessed to receive than to give, right? Okay, or at least we could say, it at least feels like it's tied for equal, you know, like good to give, good to receive, all together. But Jesus is not talking about this moment. Jesus is not talking about some transactional thing. When Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive, Jesus isn't saying, well, if you give me $1, I'll give you 10, okay? Blessing, or you'll be healthy for the rest of your life. That's not a promise, that's a bribe. Jesus doesn't do that. Um, we're not going to tell you that. If you give God one, I don't know if you'll get 10 back or any back. But what Jesus is talking about is this word blessed. The little Greek word for blessed there is actually happy. And Jesus is saying, when you give, when you order your life around generosity, when you order and prioritize around giving your life away rather than simply taking in, you are happier. And think about that. Who are some of the happiest people maybe you've met in your life? I don't think that statement is foreign to us because when I think of the happiest people in my life, they're some of the most generous people. They're the people who give their life away. And that's what Jesus is saying. When you order your life not around you, when you order your life around freeing yourself from being driven by your stuff and the worry that comes with it, not only do you live with a different sort of peace of mind, but you live full and whole and happy. And we see that. We see those people who are like, I don't even think they could give anything else away, but, but they still do. They give their life away, and they are some of the happiest people you have ever met. The amazing thing is, uh, is that science actually proves this, is that people who are generous and engage in their life, and not just random acts of giving, but engage their entire life around giving it away, they are happy, healthier, whole people. Jesus says it, science says it, you're happy. That's the promise of all of this. But most of us, happy is not the word we think of when we think about generosity or when we think about money. What word do you think most of us actually think about when we think about money and our possessions? Worry. Do you know that is the number one associated word when you ask anybody in America about how do you feel about your personal financial assets? Because you go around and ask people that, right? If you do, most people, when you ask them, how do you feel about money or your financial situation, the number one word that comes up for people is worry, not happy, not blessed. Worry. And oftentimes for our world, what we are taught when it comes to money, we worry about if we're going to have enough for retirement or are we going to have enough to to get married? You worry, am I going to have enough to buy the house? Worry, am I going to have enough to go on that vacation? We worry, am I going to have enough to provide for my kids? We worry, we worry, we worry. We feel that weight and that pressure. But think about what most of us do with our money. 
we actually end up doing the exact opposite of what Jesus talks about when he talks about generosity. When we worry about money, worry, 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 will I have enough, will I have enough, will it go far enough, will I make it, what do we end up doing? We spend more. In fact, our relationship with money is oftentimes defined by worry, but driven by more stuff and more consumption. We worry about having enough, so then we go out and buy more stuff. It makes sense, retail therapy, right? But then we get ourselves into debt, and then the more debt we get ourselves into, the less financial like margin we have in our life, so then what ends up happening? We worry. And we do this on an endless cycle and rotation. Will I have enough? Will I have enough? Buy more, buy more, buy more. We even buy stuff for not even today's consumption, but for future consumption. And then we get in this crazy cycle of worry, pressure, more, less margin, worry, more, less margin, worry. And Jesus says that, that craziness, that's a whole different type of crazy than being generous. And that sort of crazy leads us to not be happy. That sort of crazy leads us to not only making bad decisions sometimes, but leading a pressure-filled life. And it's driven oftentimes by this idea in us that if I simply have more money, more money, then that will solve my problems. That all I need in this equation of worry and pressure is just more money, right? But let me ask you, how much money would it take for you to eradicate all the worry and pressure in your life? How much? What's, what's the number, the percentage, that if you got that raise today, it would eradicate all of your worry? The issue for most of us is not necessarily more that will eradicate worry. Though we're taught in this cycle of consumption that more will eliminate worry, it's not more. In fact, it's flipping, Jesus says, it's flipping our understanding of our consumption on its head that will change the way in which we engage this crazy cycle and actually get us off the crazy cycle. Because that crazy cycle is driven by this guiding assumption, and that's this. The assumption that everything that comes my way is for me. The assumption that every good thing that I have, every bit of money, every bit of resources, every bit of time, everything that comes to me is for me. And so that's why we keep engaging in this crazy cycle that only leads us to more worry. And, and the truth is, when this is fueling the way we engage with our finances and the way we engage with our resources, more is never enough. Because what we do, we add a zero to the paycheck, but then we add a zero to everything else. The more stuff we consume, more debt, and it never gets us off the cycle. But Jesus says, blessed, happy is a person who is generous because Jesus knows the only way to break this crazy cycle of consumption is to get off the rat race, get off the hamster wheel, and generosity breaks us free from this. 
Generosity is what sets us free from worrying about, do I have enough? Will I have enough? Because it points us to reorient in our life. I'm gonna close with this. Jesus tells a story. And in the story, we call it a parable. And parables in the Bible, they're not real stories, they're not real incidents that happen, but they're stories that Jesus tells about fake people to impact real people and to talk to us about our real life situations. And so Jesus tells this story to a group of people and this is what he says. He says, there was a rich man and the ground of this certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. All of a sudden, the rich guy has gotten richer. Everyone in the crowd would have thought, oh, yeah, okay, that happens. Um, not an interesting story yet. But then in the story, Jesus says, he asks, what will I do with it? When we get more, we think that too. What will I do? And this is what he ends up doing. He says, this is what I will do. I will tear down all of my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store all my surplus grain. Sounds familiar, right? I've got more stuff. We'll build a bigger garage. We'll finish out that basement. We'll, We'll get a bigger house. We'll get a bigger garage. We'll get a bigger car. He does the same thing we do. We'll just get more. The more surplus means more zeros and the debts and in the consumption. And he'll say to himself, I have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy and I will eat and I will drink and I will be merry. And many of us here at this point in the story and we're like, well, yeah, he's just taking care of himself. He's got a good retirement, not such a strange story, Jesus. But the crazy thing about this story and about this man and the crazy thing to the people who would have first been hearing this story is that it starts off telling us that he already has barns full of crops. This man is already considerably rich and wealthy because he already has barns of crop. And in the first century, when people made just a day's wage to get them by almost every day in an economic system where they were taxed nearly 90% of their income, they're sitting there listening to Jesus tell of this man who already has a barn full of resources, and then he's going to tear it down and build a bigger barn. And they're like, what kind of craziness is this? But Jesus is telling us this story. This man is driven by this idea that everything that comes to me is for me and everything that I have and more of it will eradicate any worry and pressure I have in this life. Basically, I can master my own destiny if I just have enough. I can take care of my life. I don't need to trust God. I don't need to trust anybody. I can take care of me. And he buys into that more will eradicate the pressure and the worry. But then this is what happens in the story. God says to him, you fool. Not because you fool because you're rich. You fool not because you've saved some, but you fool for being confused on how to understand what you have been given. You fool for understanding 
money in a way that buys into this crazy cycle instead of from the lens of generosity and trusting in the one who is richly given to you, not the stuff that you've been given. And this very life, very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then Jesus asked this question, and I think he looked at the crowd in the eye and asked them this question, and Jesus asked us this question, who will then get what you have prepared for yourself? What will happen with all the extra? Somebody else will, will own it. Somebody else will take it. And Jesus says, this, this total loss is what happens to any of us who are not rich towards God, but store up for ourselves stuff, who buy into the assumption consumption that it's all for me and I have to save myself with more things rather than trusting the God who has graciously, generously already given me my life. See, when we get caught up in this crazy cycle, this is what's crazy. Sometimes we think being generous is what is crazy, but the crazy thing is buying into this crazy cycle we have been naturally given. That thinking that this normal on how to spend money is good. See, generous people, they get out of the hamster wheel of crazy. And they reorient their life because they realize they are not owners of their stuff like Jesus makes clear in that parable. Because what happens with that man is that all of the stuff he has gained once he has died goes to somebody else, but not because he's been generous, simply because he's dead. And if you can't take your stuff with you, there's a big lesson there, you don't own it. If you can't take your stuff with you when you go, it isn't yours. And that's at the heart of generosity and the way of Jesus is understanding, I don't own my stuff. I manage everything that I have been given for a time. I am a steward of that which has been given to me ultimately by the one who is generous and good. And when we believe that, when we live in that way, then, we free ourselves from the crazy cycle and we begin to live happier, whole lives. And that's what Jesus says, you want to be happy? You truly wanna be happy. You wanna stop worrying about your finances and your money? I'm gonna ask you to do something that's counterintuitive and that is to begin to free yourself from the chokehold it often has on you by being generous. That's what generous people do. So which sort of crazy do you want for your life? The hamster wheel of more, 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 pressure, 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 or the crazy intuitive principle of generosity that breeds joy and blessing? Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this day. God, first and foremost, we recognize that you have prompted our hearts to beat. You have filled our lungs with breath and goodness and mercy and generosity. We have been given the very gift of this day. Lord, would you begin to open our eyes to see that everything, even this very life and moment we have is a gift from a good and generous and trustworthy Father in heaven. God, help us Help us free ourselves from the worry and the pressure that we often put on ourselves by thinking our stuff will save us. Would you remind us that you are the only one who can save us? 
And that when we live life according to your abundance, your generosity, we live truly free. In your name we pray and believe all of these things. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Want to connect with Uptown Church? Visit UptownChurchDallas.org or follow us on Instagram. And be sure to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for in-person worship at House of Blues in Dallas. God is with you. God is for you. Go in peace.